Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. This is a great word. It's a Father's Day word. Steve's an amazing father of two gorgeous girls, and we love him and Rach. They're an amazing part of our church, and he always brings such a strong, uh, yeah, just a strong word of faith into the house. So thank you, Steve. Come on, put your hands together. Let's give him a big welcome as he brings the word today. Thank you. Wow, what a huge honor. Come on, one more time. Why don't we honor all the dads? It's so good to have you with us, dads and granddads. And again, if you are new, Soul Church loves to have guests, so we're really grateful that you're with us. We're going to come around this book, the Bible. It's, it's a book that we love. And so I think we need to pray. You certainly need to pray for me. So come on, why don't we take a moment to pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for our Heavenly Father who is perfect. And many of our experiences of earthly Fathers have been imperfect, and so we pray that through this message, you'd be with everyone for whom today is a difficult day, that you'd help us to lift our eyes and see you, more of your goodness and your grace. So we pray for this service now in Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed said a very dignified, amen. Amen. You can grab your seats. Who loves a good story? The greatest storyteller in the world, without a doubt, was Jesus. And of all the stories that he told, you guys online, this one is the one I love most. And it's found in Luke 15. Verse 1 starts like this. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners. So just picture this group of people. They drew near to Jesus to hear him. How amazing that people were attracted to Jesus. He was magnetic. I mean, these people in Jewish society were considered the lowest of the low, the outcasts, but they came near to him, to hear him. And then there's a second group of people, the scribes and the Pharisees, and they complain saying, this man, not only does he welcome sinners, But he eats with them, spends time with them. He values them. So straight away, you've got two groups of people, tax collectors and sinners and scribes and Pharisees. And this whole social dilemma is erupting. How dare he sit with these people? Then Jesus, in response, tells a story. And he said, a certain man had... How many sons? Now, it's really important you remember this. He had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. In other words, I want my inheritance and I want it now. I want to live life. I don't really care about you anymore. I'm done with you. In fact, in a Jewish culture, it was the ultimate betrayal to say to your father, I want my inheritance. It was the same as saying, I wish you were dead to me. What a thing to say to your dad. I want it now. I wish 
you were dead. How does the father respond? It says he divided to them his livelihood. Remarkably, graciously and generously, the father gives his son his inheritance. The freedom to make his own choices. He releases his son. Come on, parents, how many of you know that's difficult to do? It says not many days after that, the, young, the younger son, he gathered all he had, and the Bible says this, he journeyed to a far country. What begins with internal alienation results in spatial distancing. He ends up in a far country. Far away from his father, far away from home, far away from the father's direction and wisdom and guidance and provision and protection. Of course, many of us know what happens next. He wastes his life with wild living. And after spending all of his money, there's a famine erupts in the land and he, he starts to be in need. And so he goes to a citizen of that country, a Gentile. And he becomes a slave. He's a good Jewish boy. And he hires himself out as a slave. And he gets a job, listen to this, working with pigs. The ultimate degradation. In fact, he was so hungry, he ends up longing to feed himself on the food that the pigs are eating. It doesn't get any lower. The Bible says he comes to his senses and what the heck am I doing? You ever been there? What have I done? And he decides, I need to go home. But my dad's going to hate me. He's going to reject me. He's going to shut the door on me. So he comes up with a plan. He he thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll go back to my dad and I'll give this speech. I'll, I'll tell him I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. And I'll hire myself out to my dad. I'll become his servant. I'll work for him. And so here's this. Here's what happens in verse 20. It says, the younger son, he arose and he came to his father. I love this line in the Bible. It just jumped out at me. But while he was still a great way off. He was still a great way off. Online, he was a long way off. He was still far off. Maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online and as a dad, you know you're still a long way off. A long way off the sort of father that you should be, that you want to be to your kids. How many of us dads feel like sometimes we're just not where we need to be? We're not present enough. We don't provide enough. We so often feel like we're a long way off. Last week, we were in Cornwall. Do you like my tan? This is as good as it gets. My wife goes like, I don't know, she goes, brown as anything. This is as good as I get, all right? And uh, it was awesome. We've been looking to this. My, my youngest daughter, Mercy, she's 16, just finished the GCSEs, and she grew up in Australia. We had a pool, and she, she's a water baby, and she loves the surf. In fact, the bigger the waves, the more she loves it. So we went for a few days to Cornwall. The surf forecast was awesome. We got an apartment, and I drove. And how many know it's a flipping long way to Cornwall? And so we got there and it was 27 degrees and I'm thinking, you little ripper, here we go, all right? So we hit the beach straight away. I'd just done this long drive. And I, I was about to go into the sea and I, Mercy was sunbathing. I said, can you, I asked her to do something for me and, 
She actually misheard me. But I remember looking at her and, and I got ticked. Do you ever get ticked with your kids? I think because I've been driving for so long and, and she misunderstood. And, and so I, I just got myself into a right little tiz. Do you ever do that, dads? And so I thought, right, that's it. I'm fed up. Nobody appreciates me around here. I book apartments. I drive long distances. So I picked up my board and I went in the sea. When I'm, when I'm in the sea, I'm just all the time telling myself all the reasons why she's out of order. And I was in the sea and about 20 minutes later, Mercy swims out. Now this should have been the perfect moment. Sun was shining, the surf was up. Me and Mercy loved being in the water together. But I was still ticked. And much to my embarrassment, I just ignored her. I literally ignored her. I thought, I'm going to make her pay. <laughs> and afterwards, when I got out, Mercy, who had no idea what was going on, had obviously told Rach, so Rach squared me up a little bit, had a little pastoral word. When I realized she'd misunderstood, I felt such an idiot. What should have been such a perfect moment, I now feel like total failure as a father. Wonder, dads, how many... How often do we feel like we fall short? We're a long way off. We wish we'd done it different. And yes, I apologize to Mercy straight away, but two or three days, that thing just played over in my mind. What was I thinking? Maybe some of you dads, some of you moms, you're playing a tape over things you did that you're not proud of, and it plays over and over in your mind. We feel like we're afar off. And this younger... Younger son, he's so embarrassed, he's so ashamed, he's got his speech, I'm not worthy, dad, and he, and he comes, but the Bible said when he was still a long way off, I love that, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and had compassion. He didn't ignore him, he didn't overlook him. The father was there waiting. In fact, he'd probably been there waiting every day, looking for his son, longing for his son so he could love his son. And he throws himself on his son's neck and he kisses him, which a father never did in the Jewish culture. Why? Because he's the father to the far off. Every moment of every day, he wakes up and he's thinking about you. Even when you're in a far country, when you're far away, you are never far away from his thoughts or far from his love. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or who you've been with. He's a father to the far off. One of my favorite scriptures deep in the book of Jeremiah, 31 verse 3, it says, the Lord appeared to us in the past. This is the NIV, but you'll notice there's a little footnote and it should properly be translated from the Hebrew. The Lord appeared to us from afar saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What kind of father is he? He's a father that even when you're afar off, he loves you with an everlasting love and he draws you with his unfailing love. 
Isaiah 9, 6, we normally read it at Christmas, but it's worth another read. It says his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's an everlasting Father who loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never stop loving you. He always has loved you and he always will love you because God is love. I love it. He's a father to the far off. One of the things I learned in this pandemic is the depth of the love that I have for both of my daughters. Talked about my youngest daughter who lives with us. I mean, poor girl. Imagine 18 months when you're 16 with just your mom and dad. That's got to be tough. She's done amazing. But my other daughter is 21 and she lives in Australia. I mean, it's a far off country right now. In fact, how many of you have got someone that you love that's a far off right now? Come on, lift up your hand. Look at that. So many of us have got people far away. And I haven't been able to see Melody for 18 months and it'll be probably at least two years. In January, she had her 21st birthday and we had to watch it on FaceTime, which I'm grateful for. And on the outside, we were smiling, but on the inside as a father, you want to be there for those days with your kids. You want to be there on those days when they just need you to hold them and hug them. I, I want to be there every night and pop into a bedroom and kiss her on the forehead and smell her hair. And as a father, I've learned what our heavenly father must feel. If me as an imperfect earthly father feels this way, how much does a perfect heavenly father feel about those of you that are afar off? He's a father to the far off. Let's go back to this story. The rebellious son comes home and the father shows him love and compassion. How does the son respond to the father's love? It says, the son said to him, verse 21, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In other words, he proceeds with his pre-prepared speech. Isn't it interesting that despite the father's love, the son still finds it hard to accept the Father's love. He still feels unworthy. He still feels undeserving. Don't we all? Don't we all still feel that way sometimes? Maybe you're feeling that way this morning. We look at ourselves and we see all that we're not. But God looks at us and he sees all that we are. Do you find it hard to accept his love, to feel deserving and worthy? Maybe for many of you, it's because you had a challenging relationship with your earthly father who wasn't there for you, who let you down and who distanced himself from you. But friend, remember your value never decreases based on someone else's inability to see your worth. Let me say that again. Your value never decreases based on someone else's inability to see your true worth. 
And can I encourage you today to look afresh, not at yourself through the eyes of an earthly father, but to look through the eyes of your heavenly father. Just because people let you down, don't give up on your God who never will. He never will. When the son starts to trot out his pre-prepared speech, the father shuts it down. He says to the servants, quick, bring the ring, bring the robe, bring the sandals. You see, God has spoken of his love, but now he demonstrates his love. He says, I want my son to never forget how much I love him. Whenever he looks at his hand, he's going to see a ring. Whenever he dresses himself, he's dressed in a robe that I've given him. And then on his feet... He put sandals. In the ancient world, a slave was always barefoot. To be given sandals was to say you're a son. God wants you to know you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You don't have to work to earn or to deserve his love. You are loved because of whose you are. He is your father and you are his son and his daughter. What a story. I mean, if this story ended there, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? But there's more. Remember Jimmy Cranky? Some of you that are old, there's more. See, most people end the story here. How many of you have heard this this story called the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son? How many of you have heard that? But it's not. Why not? How many sons did the father have? Two sons. How many groups of people was Jesus talking to when he told the story? Tax collectors and sinners and scribes and Pharisees. He's told us about the first son. Now we're about to find out about the second son. But let me pause for a moment. Now, some of you are sharp. You know your Bibles. You may have noticed at the beginning, I read verses 1 to 3. But then I jumped to verse 11. Did anybody notice that? And you you might have been thinking, well, what the heck happened to verse 4 to 10? Can I tell you what happens in verse 4 to 10? There are actually... Two more stories. In Luke 15, there are three stories. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and I I don't like calling it the lost son because there were two. So, just pause for a moment. In verses 4 to 7, we hear about the lost sheep. Verses 8 to 10, the lost coin. Question. In the story of the lost sheep, Why did the sheep get lost? It wandered away. It left the 99. It left the shepherd. The Bible says it wandered away. That's why the sheep get lost. But what about the lost coin? Where was the lost coin lost? It was lost in the house. In the house. The story of the lost coin, 
It was in the house. And the star of the lost son, it wandered away. The youngest son was lost because he wandered away. But what about the oldest son? It says in verse 25, now the oldest son was in the field and he came and drew near to the father's house. I mean, the oldest son was working in the father's field. He's doing all the right things on the outside. He's about to step into the father's house where he went every day and every night. And then what happens? It says in the Bible that he hears the sound of music and dancing. He says to a servant, what the heck's going on in the father's house? He says, it's your brother. He was lost but he's been found. So your father has killed the fatted calf. And you read this story and you think, awesome, he's going to be pumped. But is that how the older brother responds? What does it say? Verse 28. He was angry and he would not go in. Can you imagine that? I'm not going in that house. So what happens, the father comes out and he pleads with him to come in. But the older brother says, all these years I've been serving you, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. Really? You never gave me a young goat. But as soon as this son of yours, wait a minute, he's your brother. Ever done that, Mark, to Sharon? That son of yours. <laughs> the son of yours who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, did he? The Bible never tells us that. You killed the fatted calf for him. And you read it and you're like, wow. You can be faithfully working in your, for your father and so easily drift out of relationship with him. The younger brother was lost because he wandered away like the sheep. But is it possible that the older brother was lost inside the father's house? One was a rebellious son, the other was a resentful son. One was rapscallion, the other self-righteous. How many groups of people was Jesus talking to when he told the story? Two sons representing two groups of people. The older son was doing all the right things externally, serving in his father's field, living in his father's house, but internally he allowed resentment, bitterness, and offense Friend, it can happen so easily. It happened to me in a second on the beach this week. Go from happy to full of resentment. Stops him from going into the father's house. Stops him from entering into all that the father has for him. I wonder how many millions of people in our nation are outside of the father's house because they're angry at what some Christian brother has done. Angry at a church member or a church leader or a pastor. And it's stopping them from entering in and knowing a father who only wants the best for them. 
Interesting, isn't it, how offense and bitterness changes the way we see those around us. It says, this brother of yours, who's devoured your livelihood with harlots. It's interesting how offense and bitterness causes us to start to see the worst in people who the Father chooses to see the best in. When we allow bitterness and offense in us, it starts to poison our perspective, not only of those around us, but also of ourselves and even of God. He says, Lo, these many years I've served you, and I've never at any time done anything wrong. Liar. And you, you give him all of that, but you never give me anything. He starts to have an elevated view of his own righteousness and a limited view of God's goodness. He refuses to go back into the Father's house. How easily does offense and bitterness keep you away from the source of God's goodness and provision for your life? And how does the father respond? We saw how he responded to the younger brother, but how in the face of such an onslaught does he respond to the older brother? The father comes out, verse 31, and he says to him, son, wow, reminds him of his identity. You are always with me. And all that I have is your grace and goodness and kindness because he's an everlasting father who loves us with an everlasting love. He loves those who are far off and he loves those who are faithful. He loves, he loves, he loves. As the team come up, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching a new documentary on Sky on Manchester United, forgive me. It's called The United Way. Has anybody else seen it? Anyone else seen that? Hosted by Eric Cantona. It highlights the genius of Sir Alex Ferguson, who was more than a football manager. The players referred to and respected him as a father. He didn't build a team at Manchester United, he built a family. And he brought this team of superstars together and he made sure every one of them felt valued. And in the documentary, David Beckham. Come on, who loves Sir David Beckham, all right? We could do, all the girls are putting their hand up. Just calm down, girls, all right? He, he gets interviewed about Sir Alex Ferguson. And he tells this brilliant story which happened in the summer of 1997 and his phone rang and it was the boss Sir Alex and Beckham was pretty surprised and said hi boss you okay and Sir Alex says yep I'm fine but I need you to know David that we're signing Teddy Sheringham and I'm going to give him your number 10 shirt We've got a picture of Beckham in the number 10. Now apparently, numbers of shirts are important to footballers. And Beckham protests. 
He said, boss, I want to keep the number 10 shirt. I like wearing it. I enjoy it. Can't I keep my number 10? And Ferguson replied, no, Teddy's having it. Don't worry about it, son. And he put the phone down. And that was at the end of the season. And Beckham in the interview says, he was devastated. He was really disappointed about this. He's like, Flip, I've worked hard for Manchester United. I give everything, I'm being successful. And he was ticked. When the next season started in August, they, the team turned up for pre-season training. And in the first session, Beckham's training away and Sir Alex comes up to him. And he says, how are you, David? And Beckham says, yeah, I'm okay. But he said he lied because he was still feeling pretty disappointed. And then Sir Alex says this. He said, by the way, David, you know I gave Teddy your number 10 shirt. It's because this year you're going to play in the number seven shirt. Number seven was the shirt of George Best, of Brian Robson, of Eric Cantona. Every United player grew up reverencing this shirt. It meant you were valued. And maybe some of you in your life feel as if you've lost your number 10 shirt. Someone took it away. Part of you wants to get so angry and ticked. But what if God has kept behind the number seven shirt for you? Because he loves those who are far off, but he loves the faithful. He says, everything I have is yours. I want to give this to someone. Rob Mays, you are a good man. I want you just to come up here for a second. Give him a round of applause. Rob is a, he, he's not expecting this. He's a, oh, here we go. Oh, oh. that was a good effort. I remember this fellow. You used to play in the Norfolk Christian League with us, weren't you? You're pretty handy. He's a very, he was a very good footballer. And you're more than that, mate. You're a good dad. How long have you been married? 25 years. 25 years. You've got a great family. <laughs> Faithful. Maybe sometimes, Rob, in your life, you felt as if someone took your number 10 shirt. I want to give you this. I want you to keep it and remember. God's got great things ahead for you. And we love you today. Come on, let's honor Rob. You can go, mate. He's a father to the far off, but he's also a father to the faithful. He's a great father to the rebellious and even to the resentful. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we come to God, we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those 
who diligently seek Him. Some of you in this congregation this morning, some of you online, you've been faithful to God, faithful to His house for many years, and God wants you to know He sees you, and He honors you, and He loves you. I'd like us all to stand. What, I, what I've done is I've taken this story and on Father's Day of 2021, I've pulled out seven things that I want you to take away. The seven things we learn about the Father to the far off. Number one, He is a Father who is remarkably generous and gracious and releasing. I don't know what picture of God you walked in with, but God is a gracious Father. Number, number two, He's a Father who sees you when you're far off. In fact, He's looking for you. He's longing for you. He loves you. Number three, the third thing that we learn is He's an everlasting Father. Just think about that. He's never going to leave you never going to walk out on you. He's an everlasting Father. And He loves you with an everlasting love. It's not going to run dry. It's not going to stop. Nobody can turn the tap off. Stop Him from loving you. He's always loved you. He loves you right now. And He'll always love you. Because He's an everlasting Father who loves you was an everlasting love. Number four, it's a father who not only says he loves you, he shows. See, how did God show me he loved me when he sent his son to die on a cross? The Bible said God demonstrates. You want a demonstration of the love of God, you look to a cross where he died in your place. Number five, he's a father who loves you for who you are not for what you can do. You don't have to earn His love or deserve His love or merit His love by the things that you do to try and somehow make yourself good enough. You'll never do it. You'll kill yourself trying. You need to just by faith realize He loves you for who you are. For who you are. He created you to have relationship with Him. Number six, he's a father who loves both the far off and the faithful. He might have been in this house many, many years. Don't ever forget how much God loves you. He's got a number seven shirt for you. And then lastly, the father who sees the best in you and wants the best for your life. He's not trying to control you or manipulate you. He gives us boundaries to live our lives so we can live the best life that He always intended. We sang a song earlier, Chantel. He's been so, so good. I think we should all just take a moment and reflect on God's love. I'm going to sing this song together then I'm going to come and pray with you. both here in this room and watching online. God loves you with an everlasting love. He will be to you an everlasting Father who will never leave you or forsake you. 
More than anything else, He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to come into the center of your life. Live the life that He always intended. A life that flourishes, a life of blessing. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to become a Christian. You say, Steve, I don't even know how to become a Christian. Let me explain it real easy. You open your heart and you pray a prayer. And you say, God, I may have been doing my own thing, but from this moment forward, I'm going to start living your way with your help and strength. And here's what He does. He'll forgive you of your past, give you meaning and purpose for today and an incredible hope for your future. Maybe there's someone in this room or watching online. And if you're really honest, you once walked with God. But if you're honest today, you've kind of gone your own way, done your own thing, and you're here right now listening to me. And you know it's time to come home, back to your Heavenly Father. Father's Day 2021, I can't think of a better day to make your peace with God, to come back into right relationship. So I would love to pray for anyone, anyone watching online, anyone in this auditorium from the front to the back, from the youngest to the oldest. This might be the first time, maybe you've been in this house for a long time, but you know you're not in right relationship. Today, you can make your peace with God. So I'd love to pray with anyone online or anybody in this room. So this is a personal moment, a private moment. I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes in the room. Friend, this is between you and God. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three. For those of you in this room, if you say, Steve, I know I need to get right with God. Would you pray for me? When I count to three, I'm going to ask you simply to lift up your hand for a moment, then you can pop it back down. We're not going to embarrass you or call you out, but we are, as a big church family, we're going to pray a prayer together. And this is how you can get right with God. If you're watching online, you do it wherever you are. You pray along with me. So are you ready? If you want to get right with God, whether this is the first time or whether this morning you're coming home, when I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? All across this building, one, two, three. That's it. Just slip it up. Slip your hand up. Thank you at the back there. Beautiful. Those of you online, thank you at the back there. Those of you online, put something in the chat. Say, hey, I'm going to pray that prayer. Yeah, let's congratulate these people. So come on, let's, let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, I know I've done wrong. Gone my own way. Done things I'm not proud of. No, I need you. So I come to you. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you give me a new start? And I want to live for you from this moment forward with your help and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for those people. Online, there's instructions about what you can do to let us know. There's details on your screen. But here in the building, maybe you put your hand up. That's awesome. Maybe you 
didn't have the courage to put your hand up, but you prayed the prayer. You know what? God sees both your hand and your heart. What we'd love to do is to give you a gift to remember this decision. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. So in just a few moments, we'll all be leaving that way and there'll be team waiting for you. They've come just for this moment to give you a gift. It's a Bible. And this Bible is for anyone that prayed that prayer, whether it's the first time or you're coming home. And it would really help us to help you if you let us know. Just drop us your details, use the QR codes, the team will give you instruction. We just want to encourage you and cheer you on because God has got an amazing future for you. So for those in the room and those online, come on, one more time. Let's congratulate those people. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.